May the Lord bless each one that has been gathered here today. <clears throat> it's been a good service so far. I enjoyed the songs. I enjoyed the Bible reading. Thank you, Micaiah, for those verses. Actually, I'm going to preach about them today. Some. <clears throat> well, I've got a title for the message, and it's a short one. And I like short titles. And the title is, Is God Able? Is God Able? And the sermon that goes with that title is even shorter. Yes. Oh, it's not even 10 o'clock. Maybe I better talk a little more, but... You know, I suppose if I would just sit down, not say any more, you'd probably remember the sermon more than if I stay up here and talk. And you might even start thinking about this. Is God able? And what is he able to do? I suppose, and in fact I'm sure, that if we'd ask anybody in this room that can think, from little children on up, is God able? Everybody would say the answer, yes. That's pretty simple. And if we stop and think about it, it's really a great, great fact. Is God able? And you know, it's only three words, but probably the shortness of it maybe makes it more impressive. If we put no limit on it, there's no uh, qualifiers. God is able. End of story. If we say God is able to do this or God is able to do that, then that's kind of like putting a limit on it, isn't it? God is able. And it's easy for us to see that as we read the scriptures. We think about what all he did in the past. In the time of creation, God spoke, and it was so. Never has such power been displayed in, since that time. <clears throat> and he did so many great things for his people, the children of Israel, and his prophets, and great deliverances. He did great things. God is able. And then we think of what he's going to do in the future. Someday he's going to come back to this earth and conquer the whole world. Someday he's going to have the whole world burn up and create a new heaven and a new earth that's even better than the first one. He's going to do great things in the future. What about right now in 2020? Is God able right now to do great things? For us, is God able to meet our needs today? If we look around, the reality is we probably don't see great miracles being done today, do we? So is God still as able as he was in the past and will be in the future, or is he getting tired? Is he getting weak? Absolutely not. We know that. But sometimes it's difficult for us to really get that fact in our hearts and live it out in our everyday lives. Somehow we need to bring that knowledge down from the stratosphere and let it crawl down into our hearts and work itself out in our daily lives, in the problems that we face, the issues that we have. Because I believe all of us have issues and problems in our life, things that we can allow God to work That's been something that has been a problem all through history. 
men allowing God to work in their lives, truly allowing God to be able to do anything. And I have a few of them. First one is uh, I thought about Abraham when he was there in the promised land and God came to him. I'd like to read some in Genesis 17. Genesis 17, 1 says, And when Abraham was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now that's an interesting verse that he introduces himself as the Almighty God. He doesn't say, I am the Mighty God, but he says, I am the Almighty That means there's nothing too hard for him. I am the almighty God. And then he says, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I don't think God was saying, I am this big God and I can do anything. So therefore, Abraham, you behave yourself or I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. That's not what he's saying. I think he's saying, I am the almighty God. Therefore, you can do what I want you to do. Because of that, you can be perfect. Trust me and allow me to do my work in you. Because he was about to give Abraham a promise that Abraham found hard to believe. <clears throat> so if we, then after that he gave him the uh, ordinance or the rite of circumcision. Then we go down to cha- verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. So Abraham faced that problem. Is God able? When God promised that he would have a son of Sarah, God, Abraham laughed in his heart. He didn't actually tell God. I don't believe you. But in his heart, he said, that's impossible. And then he said, in verse 18, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, God had given this promise to Abraham years before. In fact, I think it was 25 years before that God promised him to have a great nation. And he didn't have any children. And so this is the problem. How are we going to fix this? So him and his wife came up with a plan. He would take Hagar as a wife and raise up children with her. So that's what they did, and Ishmael was born. So Abraham thought that he had fixed this problem. This was a problem, and Abraham thought he had fixed it. So now God comes and says, you're going to have a child of Sarah. And Abraham starts thinking, well, why do we have to go through that again? I mean, here's Ishmael. He's growing to be a good young man. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. I think sometimes we have that problem too. We have a problem in our lives, an issue that needs to be taken care of. 
And we try to figure out how are we going to do this? Is God going to help me or what? And so we figure out a way to fix this problem. And we think it's taken care of. But God comes along and says, no, that's not the right way. But we say, oh, that Ishmael might live before before thee. We want the way we fixed it to be the way it's supposed to be. And we end up with a problem, a bigger problem. As we think of the all the issues that came from Abraham fixing his own problem, I think we're still it's still a problem today even between the Ishmaelites and the Israelites. It caused a problem. Another man that had a problem believing that God was able was Moses. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and started talking with him, and then God asked him to do something, asked him to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And Moses said unto the Lord, I'm going to skip some verses there, because he picked up the snake again, and then later on his hand was leprous, and gave him some signs like that. But that didn't really help Moses. In verse 10 it says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. But please don't send me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. It seemed like Moses almost wished that God wasn't able. Because if he really believed that God is able, then he didn't have any excuse not to go. But he didn't want to go. Do we ever fall into that situation where God asks something of us? Or maybe it's not, I mean, God doesn't speak to us in an audible voice like that, so we get asked to do something that we don't want to do. And it's probably a person that asks us. And we can find a lot of reasons not to do what that person asks us to do. We don't want to do it. Other people are more qualified, or depending on what it is, you know, it's his idea. We don't actually consciously think of the fact that this is God asking us to do something because then we have to do it, don't we? But if it's just a person, then we can kind of pass it off. But it's easy to find a lot of excuses. Aren't we really saying that God isn't able in this situation to help us do what he is asking us? Just like Moses did. I think we need to be careful about that. Is God able? Now I have an account of a different man that 
knew that God was able. It's in 1 Samuel 14, beginning at verse 6. This is the account of Jonathan when he slew the garrison of the Philistines. And Jonathan said unto the young men, man that bear his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, tarry until we come to you, then will we stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and upon his feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer slew after him. I find this account to be very amazing. It's almost more amazing than David when he slew Goliath. What Jonathan did here and the faith that he, that he displayed, <clears throat> somehow Jonathan got a hold of that truth, that God is able. It wasn't just a knowledge that he had in his head, but it was in his heart. And God honored that faith in a great way. <clears throat> here we have two men against 20. And if they were all on level ground, it would be impossible for two to win over 20. But not only were, the, were they outnumbered, but they were at a disadvantage physically because of the hill. These 20 men were on top of a hill, and it was a hill so steep that they had to crawl up on hands and knees or hands and feet and go single file. Can you imagine the disadvantage that they had? There was no way that he could think, possibly, if I get up there and fight as wild as I can, that maybe we can win. I mean, that was, even, that was a foolish thought. He had his hand completely given over to God, but he was confident of the fact that with God, it doesn't make any difference how many people there are. That is totally a non-issue with God. Two is just as much as an army. So are we willing to face issues in our life like that? You know, the issues in our life seem pretty small, don't they? We have never, I don't think, laid our life on the line like that, that our life was in danger because of we were committing ourselves to doing God's will. <clears throat> but we have issues, and God is just as able for us to uh, enable us to conquer those issues in a right way. Maybe our problem is that our issues are too small. 
we think, oh, this isn't really that big. I don't really need to have God take care of it. I can maybe take care of it myself. I think that's a problem. Our issues are too small, and we think we can take care of them ourselves. <clears throat> In order for us to fully embrace the fact that God is able, I think we need to embrace the fact that we are unable. We are unable to take care of situations in a right way. In John 15:5, Jesus said, Without me ye can do nothing. And nothing is not very much. In fact, it's nothing, right? <laughs> it doesn't say, Without me ye can do very little. We like to think we can at least do a little bit. But here it says, You can do nothing. And then in Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He had that full confidence that God is able to do whatever. So now we have looked at the question, is God able? And we have definitely decided that the answer is yes. So we come to another question, and maybe some of you have already thought of it. Is God willing? We know God is able, but we don't know for sure if he's willing. What's the answer to that question? We don't know, do we? Yes, no, maybe, sometimes. What's the answer to that question? Is God willing? Now, I think we need to be careful when we start asking questions like that, because... The devil loves to play with those questions. He loves to take us down a road to where we start distrusting God, thinking God isn't quite fair in every situation. God isn't answering our prayers. God isn't taking care of me. How can I trust if he's able? In fact, sometimes it seems like God is mostly unwilling, doesn't it? Boy, that's a pretty bold statement. Doesn't it seem like God is unwilling? Does he answer our prayers? It's difficult to live with the God is able attitude if we don't know if God is willing, right? If we know God's willing, then it would be no problem. Oh, we can just do anything because we know God's willing and we know he's able. So nothing's going to be too hard for us. Did Jonathan know in this account that God was willing? He didn't know that. But he went ahead and lived it out anyway. When you really think that thing through, it's really an inspiration. How Jonathan lived out his faith. He didn't know if God was willing to save him. But he went ahead and acted on it anyway. Our enemy is always using this question to the fullest advantage. God doesn't answer our prayers and we say, God probably doesn't really love me very much. God doesn't really care very much about my situations, my difficulties, or maybe God is punishing me for something. Is God trustworthy? Let's not go down that road because it's not true. And I think in order to get our hearts right in those thoughts, even just talking about them here, let's read in Romans 8, 31 to 39. 
And I invite you to turn to that. Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think on those things when those bad thoughts start coming to us. In this life, we never will know why God does things or doesn't do things. But we dare not let that keep us from living with a God-is-able attitude. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. God didn't have all things turn out right for him. He had lots of difficulties to face. But he learned that God's will is always best, and God is in control, and he learned to be content in that. So it is possible to live with a God-is-able attitude. I think maybe we need to ask a different question than, is God willing? That's... Often what we ask, is God willing? We don't know. But I think the right question to ask ourselves is, am I willing? Am I willing to let God order my life as he pleases? Am I willing to let God be in control? Because we can answer that question. It might be difficult if we're really honest with ourselves. If God asks something of me that's difficult, am I willing to lay down my life to do it? Am I willing to do it without questions or excuses? We can always have reasons why we don't want to do things, but am I willing to let God tell me what to do? Am I willing to lay down my rights, my reputation? All those things, that's the real question. And I think if we can answer that with a yes, then God will be able to do everything for us. Jesus said in Luke 14.27, and he said it several times, different places, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I believe that answers that question very well. If we don't take up our cross, God won't be able to be Lord of our life. Now I have several verses that have to do with what God is able to do. 
first one is in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may be able to abound to every good work. And this verse is in the context of giving financially to needs around us. Giving of our money, giving of our things. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So if we actually truly believe that, then our giving is not going to depend as much on what we have as on God's ability. Does our giving prove that we believe that? Do we give some when we have more, when we have less, we don't give any, or don't we ever give anything? Does our giving prove that we believe God is able to make all grace abound toward us? It says clearly that he is. Next verse is in Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is able to save them to the uttermost. And do we understand what all it took to be able to say that? It took great suffering and pain on Christ's part, but he, was, he went through that, so now he is able to save anyone. No sinner is too bad to be saved. And that saving is complete. It says, save us to the uttermost. Save us in this life. Save us through eternity. And he will never stop partway through because he ever liveth. He will never die again. He will never do the job halfway. But we will be saved completely. He is well able to do that. Next verse is in Jude one twenty-four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is able to keep us from falling. That goes right along with the uttermost salvation, doesn't it? To someday stand before God, who knows everything about us. We can stand there without fault. You know, as I think about my life, I see so many mistakes, so many things that should be better. But here it says that he is able to present us faultless before the presence of God. That's just amazing to me. And he does it with exceeding joy. Christ is able. And the last verse is in Ephesians 3.20. And this is maybe the Most impressive verse, I don't know. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It seemed like Paul can't find enough words to describe it. If we would just say, now unto him that is able to do above that we ask. We can ask things, but God is able to do above that. That would be impressive. That would be amazing. But it says, above all that we ask or think. That's even more impressive, right? Okay, then we do abundantly. Well above that. Way above it. But that's not enough. He says exceedingly abundantly. 
above all that we ask or think. That's how able our God is. Let's let that truth settle down upon our hearts. Let's live it out in our daily lives. Maybe we should change that title. Instead of, is God able? Let's say, God is able. And then the question is, are we willing?